Hello and welcome to episode six of the podcast. I'm Becca Silver, founder of The Whole Educator. In this podcast, I am interviewing Jessica, who was a teacher that burned out the school year and ended up quitting. Stay tuned to find out why she quit and what research says which types of teachers are more prone to experiencing burnout than others. See you soon. Welcome to Coaching the Whole Educator, the podcast that helps instructional coaches, teacher leaders, and school leaders. I'm Becca, former educator and school coach turned transformational coach of coaches. I'm on a mission to help you improve your educators' effectiveness and resilience, especially the ones who need it most. Each week, we'll cover quick tips, strategies, and coaching mindsets so that you can be on top of your coaching game. Are you ready? Let's dive in. All right. Hello, Jessica. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yes. So today we are going to be talking about something interesting, which is the qualities of a teacher that make them more susceptible to burnout, which is definitely not something that we talk about a lot. (laughs) No, because I think you hear it thrown around like burnout, burnout, burnout in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. But we just assume like, oh, if you have to do this certain job, you're going to get burnt out. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's a a profession thing. Right. And not like, oh, there might be some, you know, we talk about like people more prone for heart disease, (laughs) but it's like actual people more prone to burnout and lots of research shows this. And there's actually lots of different qualities of teachers that different research shows are more prone to burnout. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. And I had asked you to come on the podcast because you have chosen to leave the teaching profession to make yes. a bigger impact, right? And you've experienced a lot of burnout. Uh, yes, I have been uh, burnt to the ground, essentially. Yes, <laughs> yes. Would t- you tell us in your words, would you say I burned out of teaching? Like, how do you say it? I think I burnt out of teaching pretty early on, but I stuck through it, which is why I say I burnt to the ground because I think you think of a fire, like the fire department comes and puts it out, but at least like the skeleton of the building is there, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I was kind of ash by the end, which Mm -hmm. I know sounds very depressing, but um, I think when you go through burnout and you don't have any way to remediate it, that is when that happens. um, When you just have to keep pushing through. And granted, there were pieces of that that I did to myself. Like I am the chronic um, failure to say no person who takes on way too many things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those things, because I feel like I have to, because I'm a yes person, because I feel like I need to do these things to either advance in my career or to please people. Part of that, because I got into teaching because I have a passion for bettering society. And I truly believe that education is the way to do that. So it was fueled by passion. It was fueled by this desire to do things well, do things right for people. But the problem is, I think in teaching, the more you do things, the more you get asked to do more and more things. Mm -hmm. And that happened a lot. And so as it goes on and on and on, um, you know, it's, it's like you're pouring from this cup, but they're not adding water to the cup as you're pouring out of it. 
yeah. eventually it's empty and it's yeah. bone dry and then it catches on fire. Yes. Here we are at the fire metal. <laughs> you catch on fire. And and in a in a other episode, I use the analogy of a leaky bucket. Mm-hmm. And yes. that burnout happens when you experience this prolonged stress. It's like putting holes in a bucket. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, I'm doing things to fill my bucket, right? And we talk about self-care a lot. And self-care does put water in our bucket, but it doesn't actually address the holes in the bucket. So mm-hmm. it's still going to leak out. It's temporary. And I don't say that like me saying yes all the time was the sole cause of my bucket. Like that was certainly a contributor, but it was like one hole in the bucket. Mm-hmm. And this bucket has a lot of holes, like some mm-hmm. other holes in it, maybe like the working conditions. What are the extra little things you're having to do mm-hmm. that may not necessarily make sense or really make a big difference? Mm-hmm. Like submitting a lesson plan two weeks in advance, mm-hmm. um, things like that, you know? And there's also burnout isn't just you being tired. It's also an emotional fatigue. Like parents forgot to pick the kids up from school once every week or something. Or you notice one kid hasn't had their clothes washed or a kid yelled at you. Like the emotional burnout, I think some people think has to be something traumatic, but it's really just a bunch of little things over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. My last question for you before I unveil what research says about, you know, people more prone to burnout is what inside of you, what qualities do you think inside of you had you burn out? I think that perfection, yes, drive of, and it's perfection, passion. Yes. All three of those rolled together. I want everything to be perfect. I'm saying yes, because I'm determined to make everything great because I'm passionate about this thing. But just because I have those qualities does not mean that the outcome is going to have those qualities as well, or that everyone else is going to do the same things. And I think that was very demoralizing and frustrating. Um, It feels like you're putting a lot of work into something that others either don't believe in or don't value as much as you, or frankly, they may just, I'm not saying the people I work with think this, but this is the mental gymnastics your brain starts to go through when your cortisol levels are that high. When you're that stressed all the time, you start to think, well, everyone else must think I'm an idiot because I'm doing this. Like, why am I even bothering to do this? Which don't even get me started on the way people talk about teachers on social media lately and demoralization. But I think those were the big things that really got me um, wanting things to be better, but they weren't better no matter what I was doing as a classroom teacher. Um, And that, that made it hard. Like if what I was doing was making things change, I think I could have stayed in teaching, but teachers don't have a lot of power. Um, And their range is very limited to the kids in their room and they do amazing things for the kids in their room. Mm -hmm. But for me, that wasn't enough. And it also wasn't enough because I know other teachers go through the same thing and we don't have the resources to change it. And frankly, we often don't have the resources to stand up sometimes and say, this isn't okay because we don't want to lose our jobs Mm -hmm. and we don't want to be the one who's on the bad list Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. gets the worst room assignments or schedules Mm -hmm. um, because admin has decided "Mm, this person asks a few too many questions. Mm Yep. Oh, that makes me think about, um, Oh, this is such a, a geeky academic thing, but it's a uh, um, leader member exchange LMX. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's this concept and there, there's a, 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 a thing that happens in organizations where leaders create in and out groups and principals have in and out groups. And it's, it's a common organizational phenomenon that happens. And so in groups get treated favorably and out groups don't. 
Holy. Okay. For those who are <laughs> listening to this, my jaw just dropped because that's literally what I witness with every administrative group, whether it's at the district level, at the school mm-hmm. level, at the university level. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it happens in business and law and hospitals and things too. Mm-hmm. Yep. But oh my gosh, just having a word for it. Yes. Yep. That one yep. more time for the people listening. Yeah. What's it so it's LMX Leader Member Exchange, and it's under kind of the umbrella of organizational change, which is one of the uh, platforms that I ride in terms of we need our principals and school leadership to be taught about organizational change theories mm-hmm. and academic research about it because principals are running organizations yep. right? and, and we want them, <laughs> you know, educated in this way. And they rarely are. I'm often coaching uh, principals in this way. Yeah. So, okay. I'm so glad I could throw that at you. I know you are super academic and I was very excited to share that with you. So now um, I'm going to unveil Da, 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 da. This list for you, just to give everyone context again, there are some teachers that are more prone to experiencing burnout than others. And their qualities are teachers that are anxious and swayed strongly by their emotions, introverted teachers, teachers who have a tendency to feel unpleasant feelings like irritability and hostility, type A personalities. Teachers that are competitive, impatient, or perfectionistic. Teachers who have a tendency to be ambitious and driven and tend to be a loner. Teachers who think others hold a highly positive opinion of them and they burn themselves out striving to live up to others' expectations. (laughs) Socially anxious teachers. Teachers with little experience. Uh, teachers who habitually blame themselves for difficulties instead of seeing the big picture. And this is an interesting one, I thought, because I think about locus of control and internal locus of control versus external and internal locus of control is essentially being intrinsically motivated, right? And really look inside the change. And if you have, if it's too extreme, you could be prone to burnout. Those uh, teachers who cope by being passive aggressive. I thought that was really <laughs> <laughs> aggressive peers. Um, timid teachers who typically think about fear producing situations. Mm-hmm. Teachers who have a low frustration tolerance. Oof. <laughs> teachers with low self esteem. Mm. Ones, do you feel like really jumped out as you like, ah? I should have done the like put a finger down game, know, you know. Right? Like, <laughs> so there were a lot of those that lined up with me. So thanks for calling out all of my neuroses. I really, really appreciate airing that to the world right now. But <laughs> honestly, it checks out. Like the majority of those are me. Um, low tolerance for frustration, um, especially the determination piece. Um uh, the type A personality. Um, I'm not particularly competitive, like in the traditional sense of like sports, like I could care less if I win the game, mm-hmm. but in work, I can be very, very competitive. Um, I want to be the best. I want, I want to be the best and I want the outcome for everyone to be the best. Like, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll bring everyone up, but you're still like, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I know I'm like sitting over here just like staring like, oof. but honestly it makes so much sense. So like I talked to a professor 
last fall, I think she's at UConn. Um, her name is Lisa Sanetti and she studies a lot about teacher secondary trauma. And we had a really good conversation about the characteristics that make teachers kind of predisposed to it. And it checks out with a lot of what you said, um, because she talked a lot about how there are certain qualities being predisposed to, but she also talked a lot about how it's not necessarily something that a teacher is locked into. There's a lot of emotional intelligence and mindfulness tools that a teacher can learn in order to evolve into that locus of control perspective that you were talking about and defining that clear boundary between this is my fault. This is not my fault. Um, and that, so no, all that, that checks out. Thanks again for airing all my problems. On <laughs> You're welcome. You know, and, and something I do want to clarify is all of those different qualities came from different studies. So it's not yes. like a, like um, an ADD checklist where it's like, if you check seven of the 10 qualities, you have ADD. Yeah. It's, it's not cumulative at all. Any of those things. If you have one of those things, you are more prone to burnout. And, you know, I don't have a study that shows this. And my way of thinking is essentially the more boxes you check, potentially the more prone you would be to burnout. But again, if you have one of those qualities, you are more prone than the rest to, you know, burnout. So it's- I'm going to need you to send me all of those studies so I can read them and determine just <laughs> what my score is. That's the competitiveness, yes. basically. Yes. But no, I mean, it. It lines up. <laughs> mm-hmm, it does. You know, and so, you know, you, you talked about those intern, we are not stuck in any way. And so I really, this podcast is for instructional coaches and school leaders. So I'm not talking directly to teachers and I'm actually sharing this less, you know, for people to do more mindfulness, to gain tools to burnout. And it's more about, School leaders and coaches keeping their eye mm-hmm. on their teachers. Who are your highest achieving teachers? Mm-hmm. Are they perfectionistic? Mm-hmm. Do they um, do they you know feel like everyone holds a high opinion of them, and then they have to constantly reach that high expectation? Many times, it's your highest producers that might be prone, more prone to burning out. And so I want to put this on people's radar because we can do something about it, right? If we're actually looking for it, there are actual strategies. And the next episode is going to be just that. What research shows leadership can do to prevent burnout at your schools. I love it. And I will say to the school leaders listening, I never had a principal who asked me, if there was any chance they could make me stay. And I'll be honest, if someone had, I would have rethought it. That relationship is so critical. And that was something I was not fortunate enough to have in the schools that I was at and take it with a grain of salt. You're hearing it from me. You may hear from my principal and be like, that girl has the biggest like standoffish personality. I don't know, (laughs) but it it goes so much further than you think. And they won't think you're cheesy. They won't think you're overbearing. Like if you show interest in your people, it works wonders. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great thought. And you know, something I know about you is that you are a hard work, you are a hard worker and you produce results. 
you get stuff done, right? So we're not talking about a teacher that's trying to shirk responsibility here. And that's another reason why I wanted to talk to you, right? You weren't, you're not like blaming the, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you really did the best that you could. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so, so I'm happy everyone's listening to this conversation. Um, and Jessica, if you want to just share, you know, if people want to reach out to you or here, you have something very adjacent to this topic about teacher attrition. If you want to share about your podcast, go ahead. This is yes. now a good time. So for those of you who are podcast people, if you need another one to listen to, I actually, um, am in the process of finishing the first season of my own podcast, it's called green apple pod. It is a documentary style education policy podcast. What I mean by that is every season we break down a big issue in K-12 education and what it means for you as a citizen of this society. So in the first season, we tackled teacher attrition, what are the causes, and what can we do to try to stem the tides of teachers leaving? So we've got two more episodes coming out as of when this episode will be out. Um, But you can find that just by Googling Green Apple Pod passion to progress, passion T-O to progress, um, and you'll be able to find us. Yes, it's an amazing podcast and I highly recommend it. And she interviews academics in universities that are actively studying this and bridging that gap between theory and practice, which is exactly what we want to be doing, right? If you're doing those best practices and, and, and basing our decisions on what evidence says works. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much, Jessica, for being on this podcast. I'm like so excited to share your story with everyone listening. And um, I just appreciate you taking the time to do it. Hey, thanks for talking to me. I always enjoy talking with you. So woohoo! can't wait to listen to the whole thing. I know we do. All right. Take care. You too.